Welcome to episode 47 of Lil Muck, a member of the Odd Pods Media Network. This is a tiny slice of the Muck podcast where we talk to people in the media and politics about their favorite stories or experiences. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Today, we are interviewing attorney and candidate for Florida State House District 101, Hillary Cassell. Hillary, tell us about today's guest. It's too many Hillary's. Well, actually, there's never too many Hillary's, there's never right? Too never, many never. Hillary's. Hillary Cassell is a proud Democrat, mental health care advocate, and co-founder of the law firm Cassell and Cassell. Beginning her career, her legal career as an assistant state attorney at the Broward State Attorney's Office, Hillary witnessed the devastating inequality of our justice system firsthand. For the last seven years, she has represented struggling families against large insurance companies in their time of need. Now she is running for the Florida House of representatives because she knows that we need strong democratic leadership in Tallahassee which is an understatement (laughs) welcome Hillary I can't believe I am here ladies (laughs) the pressure that I have applied on you these last two years the begging the pleading oh my god oh my god my honor dude how many times Hillary goes when am I going to come on the podcast and I'm like and then you said to me she said to me like a couple months ago you told me that oh it was the night you won your primary and she was like you told me that you don't have candidates on and I was like I did I have no recollection of that whatsoever <laughs> but it's probably what I told people that's what to I think we did them, tell people yeah that, like yeah. to make it like not a promotional right, podcast right. but you know what motherfuckers this is it Let's <laughs> do it. we're doing it because we can make this an isn't exception a normal candidate we can this, make an exception yeah. here Let's be girl yeah. here's the thing if you're not in Broward and you don't know Usually it's like same old, same old. Yes. Here's who's gonna run. Here's what who's gonna who's gonna run for this seat. We like to say we don't have benches, but there are benches and seats. And this is one of those seats where there was we you know we had a couple of few Democrats running. Yep. And Hillary Cassell was virtually unknown in the Broward political world, right? Yes. And comes out of nowhere. But in and such an amazing yeah. way, and like <laughs> kills it right, and is a com- in a breath of fresh air, if you yeah. ask me. Thank and I'm you. so glad that you're here and I'm so glad that you're running. You know, I'm so excited for your for your going to Tallahassee and just oh my God. showing the world what it's about. Like I we need wait. it. We, we need, need it. it. So let's start with, you know, you're a successful attorney, you're a working mother. What made you want to run for office? You know, that's a really interesting question that I wish I had come up with a great answer for <laughs> over the course of these last 22 months that I've been campaigning um, because I get asked it all the time. I don't really have that moment or I don't have that history of always wanting to be an elected official. My mom was actually an elected official Mm -hmm. while I was growing up. So I swore having (laughs) been in that world and seeing that world that I was going to stay far away from it, despite people throughout my life saying you should run, you should be in, you should follow in your mom's footsteps. Um, But the reality is I am engaged in the process. I've been in Tallahassee fighting for everyday Floridians against big insurance companies for the last four years. I've been fighting for them in the courtroom and being in that atmosphere I have seen over the course of a 13-year legal career where I focused on uh, property insurance, which we all know we are in a crisis in this state. Oh boy, yeah. Don't get me started on insurance, but um, (laughs) you know, I... 
I looked at my husband, who's my partner and my, my law partner. And I said, you know, we're getting these laws at the tail end. You know, we're trying to enforce laws that are being implemented in Tallahassee and fighting for our consumers and our clients a little too late. If mm. we really want to be engaged in this process, because over the course of 13 years, I have seen firsthand a dwindling of coverage. You know, you're paying three times more for insurance than you ever have, yet what's contained in those terms is non-existent. Right. They have they have completely whittled away what mm. actually your insurance is going to cover you for. And then on top of it, they make it extremely difficult for you to hold insurance companies accountable. So I looked at my husband and said, I got to get to Tallahassee. We've got to be at the table if we want to engage in conversations about how to reform our property insurance market, but also make sure consumers are protected. And through that process, being engaged for the last four years, sitting in committee meeting after committee meeting after committee meeting, working with legislators, Leaders, um, seeing the good, the bad, and the ugly of the process, and reading how democracies die before yeah. I announced, I I just said I can't sit back anymore. Mm. And I think if I would have thought about it, I probably would have. But as soon as that <laughs> that that light bulb went off, um, there was really no stopping me. So I don't have this like you know, I haven't always had this desire to be in this position, but I've got the skill set. I've been advocating for people for 16 years. I've been reading, applying, interpreting the law. And that's what we have to have in Tallahassee. Absolutely. We have to have people that understand the law, the process, how to make a good law, what a good law looks like oh. versus a bad law, but also has the skill set that can push back against what I believe to be a horrible, radical Republican agenda mm. and has that skill set to push back in a manner where you can articulately advocate um, and still, you know, say what needs to be said without having to be, you know, over over dramatic about mm -hmm. it, but but having that skill set to to do that closing argument. Um, and that's that's what prompted me to run. You know, oh, I wish it was this brilliant. It's brilliant. No, listen, no, that is what we, we need. Yeah, but it's also like property insurance isn't like, you know, it's sexy. It's not, but it fucking should be because should we be. are all in a lot of trouble. We are in a lot of trouble. Before and Hurricane Ian, we yes. were in a lot of trouble. And, I, yeah. you know? and I said this um, at some, I don't remember what, some meeting we were at, but, you know, I have parents who are, you know, same uh, retired. Right. And, you know, they have their house paid for. They're on a very limited, you know, I have my, my parents are both immigrant parents, mm -hmm. not a big education. They were always like, you know, working blue collar kind of working people. They have their house paid off. They're on their small income and the property insurance and the taxes are killing them. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's people killing them. And it's like now they got to sell everything because they can't keep up with the rising cost. And then if God forbid we have what happened in the West Coast, like what are they going to do? Right. And I think people don't realize property insurance really, you know, right now impacts those of us who are fortunate to have fulfilled that American dream and, mm -hmm. and be homeowners. But it's also impacting those who wish to be homeowners. You know, we've got an affordability crisis and a housing crisis and a rental market crisis because it's not available. Well, that also starts with property insurance. There are people that are right now in a position that could buy homes but are unable to because that continued 
unknown how much is my property insurance going to increase. I've got a fixed income. I've got a limited amount for my budget to pay for that. I don't know what that's going to look like next year. I can't afford to buy a house because I don't have that answer to that unknown Mm -hmm. number. So I'm going to stay a renter. Well, that then clogs up the rental marketplace. It, It affects, you know, our environment. We've got hurricanes that are getting bigger and stronger and coming with more water and flood is limited in how you can purchase it Mm. when we should be educating all consumers in Florida. You're in Florida. This is a flood state. Oh yeah. Everybody needs to have flood. What we are seeing representing people on the West coast and having represented people through hurricane Michael and several storms that have impacted our state is, you know, there becomes a fight over who's responsible. Is it the wind coverage? Is it the flood Mm, coverage? And those are the, the, the eventual legal disputes that I would handle. My law firm would handle, but so many people that were getting called from on the west coast didn't have flood insurance right yeah so and that to me is is wild like that should just be part of your hurricane coverage mm, right but a lot of people are in a position where it's i can, i'm gonna pay for what i'm told i need right, and yeah. what i'm required to have right. and not that additional luxury of flood not realizing that's they need I'm, it that's yeah. what i'm doing p.s me too i'm not have in, flood. i'm not in a flood that, so my, my mortgage company doesn't Require. require me to have it Same. and I always like oh you know you just come to my house I'm three feet off the ground you get three steps and meanwhile my my in-laws are on the other side of the state the same kind of situation with their house off the ground and had six inches of water in their house and it's like maybe I should have flood insurance yeah. you know and, then and you should expense. it's expensive it's yes expensive. yeah but yeah and but you buy it and you go I'm good and then the insurance company's like, well, you know what I mean? Like, and it's this, all negotiation. It's what, you're right. It's whittled down to like, if you don't know and you don't read that fine print, that's crazy. Well, and you can't read the fine print. Right. I mean, your average homeowner's policy yeah. is anywhere Lay between people. 80 and 100 pages long. Right. And they don't make it easy for Ugh. a particular reason. It's it's filled with exclusions and limitations and endorsements wow. that, you know, take it away and bring it back in a limited capacity. It really takes a lawyer to be able to help guide you through that process. And we know there's a reason why it's 80 pages long, because then they send you a letter that says it's excluded based on, you know, you're a horrible homeowner. You haven't taken care of your house. It's wear and tear. The maintaining. The maintaining is a real Your roof is old. Yes. Yeah, that's a very broad sweeping statement in that word. Oh, by the way, you should have really replaced your roof a year ago, so we're not responsible that got ripped off your house. But yet I insured you and didn't tell you that in advance. And now that you need me, I'm going to tell you. It's crazy. It's crazy. And when you're up against these insurance companies, I would imagine is it just you guys are just negotiating back and forth to a final number of like this is the number that we can give you and they're coming back with another number you know and it's meanwhile someone's life is waiting yeah is you know in the balance here like their home their shelter yeah and that's sort of what I tried to impart on my opposing counsel. So I used to represent the insurance companies. I've represented pretty much every insurance company from Lloyd's of London down to Citizen. So I have an understanding of both sides and really how they operate. And oftentimes, sadly, on, on when you're representing the insurance company, these aren't people. It's a folder. It's mm-hmm. another file. It's another mm-hmm. case you got to get through. And, and oftentimes it's not looked at. And there's so much talk about the fraud, the fraud, the fraud. So when you represent the insurance companies, are always looking for that angle mm. when in reality it's it's just really not there yeah um but you're right you're dealing with someone who this is their home this is their security this is their usually number one and only investment right and they just want to get it fixed and you know the insurance companies know that the longer they delay
away, the longer they deny, the longer they defend, that you're going to, hopefully the thought this, process is right. you'll walk away with pennies on the right. dollar. Wow. It's messed up. It's yeah. messed was up. Was it always like this? Like my parents have owned a home here since I was like two. Was it always like this with insurance companies here or has it gotten worse? I, listen, it's gotten worse and, and both sides are really responsible for that. So when I, when I took my fight to Tallahassee, I formed a consumer advocacy group called Florida Policyholders Cooperative. And the thought process behind it was, is listen, I represent everyday Floridians. These are not people traveling to Tallahassee to tell their legislators about the horror story that they just experienced with their insurance company. So who better to tell that than somebody like me who sees these people on a daily basis, represents them in the in the most catastrophic times, um, and and sees both sides of the issue? Because the reality is there are also a lot of loopholes that have been created um, where there are some bad actors really taking advantage of some of those situations. But I went to Tallahassee to say, at the end of the day, we've got to have balance. We have to have affordable, available, reliable insurance. It's got to be there for people when they need it. It's got to mean something. Yeah. They're paying with expectations that you're going to be there for them in their time of need. Right. And we need to make sure those carriers that aren't are, are able to be held accountable. Um, so we've got to strike that balance. And what's a little bit different in this space is if you challenge an insurance company's decision and you end up being right, that they underpaid you or they wrongfully denied your claim, you've got to pay their lawyer's fees. Yeah. Well, and rightfully yeah. so. If you Otherwise, what's going to incentivize insurance companies to do the right thing if there's not an additional, if they're going to just be stuck paying what they should have paid you to begin with? Right. So this is really what levels the playing field against that big insurance company machine and everyday Floridians. And when you also think about it, you need every penny to fix your home. If you've got to now pay a lawyer out of pocket because you've because you challenged your insurance company's decision, you're never going to have enough money to fix your house. Then what happens to your mortgage? Then what happens to your neighborhood? Then what happens to home prices? Mm -hmm. So there's there's a reason why that 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 function is there. And that's really one of the things that they are trying to do away with in Tallahassee is they really try to blame those of us who represent everyday Floridians as the problem rather than taking a look at the insurance company right. behavior, which is really what what got us here. Yeah. Right. All right. So I know we have insurance like later down in the list, oh, but, I, but, but I, let me just ask that's, one yeah. last question about insurance since we're here anyway. Yeah. What is the incentive that the, the Republicans in Tallahassee or even a DeSantis of like not focusing on insurance these last few years because we've been pretty lucky in Florida I don't know 10 eight years of like not having a humongous right. storm well at least here in South Florida in South Florida South Florida, yeah because yeah, we had in the North, big yeah, North Florida and, and the panhandle they did um what is the per what is the reason why why is this not a primary issue when it affects it, possibly every single person in Florida Republican we're all or Democrat. vulnerable yeah, yeah. to a hurricane What's the reasoning? You know, you would have to ask them. Okay. Honestly, um, there have, there, and I think there's also a lot of misinformation. Shocking. Um, <laughs> you know, there's actually a lot of mis misinformation about the work that's been done in Tallahassee. So okay. in 2021, we passed some major reforms. And when I say we, I wasn't obviously at the table, but I was engaged in the process. We, we passed a lot of reforms that were really going to close a lot of the loopholes for, you know, for example, and I, and I supported this. You don't need five years to report a claim, let alone three years to report a claim. We know the farther you get out from the date of a storm, the more likely than not that claim is not going to be as valid as right. somebody that reports in a timely manner. We also know that we live in a state with a lot of snowbirds and a lot of elderly. So we've also got to give people time to figure it out. 
Um, but we closed a lot of those loopholes. We closed some of the loopholes on improper solicitation by contractors. We closed some of the assignment of benefit loopholes. So a lot of the loopholes that people were able to access and maybe get more than they should were closed in 2021, but you weren't going to see that mm. relief for several years because okay. those types of reforms don't immediately take take into effect, it's really, you're going to see the, those reforms and, and the progress that they made as a result after Ian. So those, mm. anything that passed post those reforms. Um, but at the end of the day, we are in a marketplace that sometimes the private marketplace doesn't do what it's supposed to do. And, you know, we saw this, this isn't our first crisis. We were right. here after Andrew. Yeah. We yeah. were here after Wilma in 2005. Then I also like to remind people we didn't have a hurricane for 10 years. Yeah. Where, where'd all the money go? Yeah. yeah. Where'd it go? Where is Where's it? Where's the money? That's my quick question. I yeah. mean, it's, that's where'd the most go? frustrating thing about insurance. Yeah. It's like you pay all this insurance, like even health insurance. It went which in bonus, it went in bonuses. Money. That's yeah. where it went. I mean, and then that's what like, I say. What I, then they send you a bill for the yeah. x-ray and you're like, wait a minute. I thought yeah. I paid you $500 yeah. a month for the last five years before this happened. Like, what is the deal? And then we had Irma, and as soon as we had that first storm, that those insurance companies went to Tallahassee and mm. said, we have no money. Yeah. Right. Well, why? Yeah. And w what do we need to do? Now, the reality is the marketplace that we have is small carriers. Mm -hmm. And those carriers, and you may have seen this in the newspapers when we talked about demo tech, those carriers, because they never have had the capital mm -hmm. to cover the claims, mm. they had to rely on a reinsurance market. Well, for oh, those of God. you that don't know what reinsurance is, it's insurance for insurance companies. So insurance companies only pay a certain amount after a storm and then everything else after that, every dime spent post that that first layer goes to the reinsurance companies and it falls on them to pay. Well, reinsurance is a global marketplace. It's unregulated. These are companies located in Bermuda and Switzerland and New Zealand that we don't have the ability to price set. We don't have the ability to regulate. And our insurance companies who are small find out basically in June what their cost is going to be for reinsurance. And it's based on what's happening globally. It's it's fires in California. This, it's yeah, and we pay cow. the price for that at forty-five to forty-nine percent of your premium Holy goes cow. to pay reinsurance. So to me, that is the first place that if we want to get relief for our carriers, where they're here and we have competition, and we've got we can lower premiums down mm -hmm. and we can put money back in people's pockets, we've got to come up with a reinsurance market that's really not international and is more of a state function that provi can provide that backstop. And that's Holy something wow. that was done in the special session, but not at a level that's going to be sufficient to change the marketplace. I mean, and in Florida, I mean, just like, you know, I, I'm someone who pays a mortgage, mm -hmm. right? And with the property insurance and with the taxes, you know, we're at a part point now because our, I mean, we just got a new, so our, and the thing that happens too, is you get your citizens, then you get something in the mail that's like, welcome to your new insurance carrier because right. they just sell right. it. And then welcome, we just got another one, welcome. And it's very, very expensive. Yeah. And it's like, we can't even touch the principal on our house right. because like everything just goes now to the taxes mm -hmm. and the property insurance. Cause like our, whatever interest on the mortgage is down, but we still can't hit our principal because right. it's too much money. I know. You know, it's outrageous. Yeah, and we've got it's to find outrageous. we've got to find a solution. And three days during a special session with oh. no input from anybody but a single party that <laughs> primarily 
is known to work with corporations over people well, isn't isn't going to be the answer. You know, we know insurance companies after they go into receivership are supposed to prepare these auto these postmortem mm. reports. Nobody's ever reviewed them. Ugh. So there's a lot of talking that goes on without data in Tallahassee and that's where my frustration comes in and that's the part that I'm really excited about once I'm elected is I'm ready to dig into the details of why our companies are failing because it's going to be the only way we come up with a real solution. And taking away consumers' ability to hold insurance companies accountable isn't the answer. Right. We need the checks and balances, yeah. you know, like when you're talking about going, looking at that data. It, it just, and it, how do you the not frustrating have data? Thing, but the frustrating <laughs> thing too is that we knew in the, like the special, special session, we were, you know, it just seems so short-sighted to me that you're going to think a hurricane's not coming. Like they've kind of ignored this because of the, the lack of storms that we, we, you know, there were summers where we had three or four at a, in a row. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they've been very lucky to not have to focus on this. And then, but did they think something's not going to happen? I They're mean, rolling the God. dice. They're rolling the they dice. They roll the dice. Yeah. But you, you know, every, crazy. every year in Tallahassee, the insurance industry has a different boogeyman that they place responsibility on, right. you know, and I think that's other, that's the other part of the pushback that needs to happen is, you know, we've got an insurance commissioner who's not elected, who mm. owes no obligation to the people, um, whose next job, if I had to be a betting guessing woman is going to be as an executive for one of these insurance companies. Right. So oh we God. do a lot of work in Tallahassee to push back against bad legislation and have been successful on, on several fronts. And then our insurance commissioner still rubber stamps it at the end of the day. Who's appoint, who governor appoints him? The governor appoints, correct. And it's a function of the CFO. Of, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Another one. So so you've got a situation where all these reforms that are passing are so pro-insurance. Um, and it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when mm -hmm. those storms hit. We know they're getting stronger. They're, they're going to happen more right. frequently. And again, we... We've got to have it so people can live here, they can yes, afford it, yes. and their house is protected in the worst case scenario. Absolutely. Oh well, gosh, I know. sorry. So we need to hear this. When I've been to we dinner to with my uh, other counterpart, Hillary, and she's staring at me and telling me about insurance. I'm like, I don't, and she's explaining it in a very clear way yeah. that I've never heard any elected official yeah. ever explain it like this. It's the most. It's a very important issue. Yeah. It's an economic issue that Democrats need to focus on economic and issues to, too. Yeah. And so like we need someone to clearly and put it in layman's the aisle terms. and be able, because this is yeah. not a Republican or Democrat it issue. Is this is a real, what do they call it? A ta dinner table issue. Yeah. This yeah. is a dinner table issue. This is something that affects every single person. If you're a new homeowner, a homeowner who's been here for 50 years, this is really, really important. It has to be discussed. And that's why it's really important that you get to Tallahassee too. Ooh, well, yeah. when you win, yes, uh, <laughs> you'll yeah. be in the minority up in Tallahassee. And so what is the plan to get fair representation for the people of Florida, especially for those that we know have been gerrymandered out of power? this session mm -hmm. or this elected uh, cycle? Oh, such a great question. Um, I mean, for me, you know, I go into this process with eyes wide open, obviously having been engaged in Tallahassee for the last several years. So I'm not naive to what, what I'm about to walk into, but I do think work can get done. I think one of the things that we don't hear about and we don't talk about is, you know, 85% of the legislation that passed last year passed with bipartisan support. Mm -hmm. So there is scenarios of working across the aisle. There is scenarios of, of Democrats who have been successful in navigating that process 
process. And I am hopeful that the work that I've been doing in Tallahassee, it is bipartisan. It, you know, it mm-hmm. impacts you whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. So I've been working across that aisle for the last four years. Um, and I'm hopeful that those you know, relationships will allow me an opportunity to provide that representation for my district for Florida, you know, even though I will represent District 101 in those specific cities, you know, really the work that you do in Tallahassee impacts everybody statewide. The main difference is, you know, the dollars that you're able to bring back to your city. And I think it just is going to take, you know, some common sense approaches you know the reality is we we know sometimes you get you catch more flies with with honey than you mm-hmm. do with honey than you do vinegar um but you've also got to stand on your principles and for us standing on those principles is going to be pushing back and making sure that we lay a record in Tallahassee I think that's something that people mm. don't realize yeah our job the, is absolutely this is what we talked about with Bobby DeBose yes it's really important you're absolutely right it is the thing that you know Getting on the record what the legislative intent behind yeah. a bill is. Yes, love is, this. You know, That's getting yeah. getting on the record. You know the you know ambiguity in the language that they pass. As an attorney, you know part of my skill set is prevailing when things are ambiguous. You know, if you're going to put together a contract and contracts of insurance are what we call contracts of adhesion, meaning the consumer has no right to negotiate those terms. It's just given to them. Well, then you better better make sure those terms are really ironed out Mm -hmm. because if not, it's going to go to the benefit of the consumer. And I think that's our job in Tallahassee as Democrats. How do we lay in a, how do we lay a record that can be utilized for, for the eventual legal challenges that a lot of these bills Mm -hmm. um, bring with them because they're written poorly. They're not written, they're not written well. Uh, They're written quick and fast and with, without thought for, you know, the legal challenges ahead. And I think that's where Democrats actually um, are, are what we're really good at. Yeah. But we don't, we don't, you know, it's not something that really gets talked about because that's really just what our job is. Mm-hmm. If we can't, if we can't win with the votes, we've got to win with the brains. Uh, and it, and they do. I mean, when Bobby DeBose told us that, like yes. they, they asked their, everybody very has a job. Specific. We're going to ask very specific questions to get this on the record. What's really annoying too, is that they are bills that are written fast and without any sort of, for, just for sound bites, right. you know, blah, blah, blah. I've done this. I've done this. Look, passing look, great, it. look at the great things yeah. I'm doing over here to really distraction from everything else. Are the Republicans who vote for this shit. Like, why are you voting for something that's so poorly written? Why are you voting for something? You know what I mean? It's it's so frustrating. Don't you want to have some sort of integrity? Uh, yeah, when pride in your pride yeah. in your pride work product. Yeah. I mean, come back and say like that. Don't just tout that you voted for it. Look at what you voted for. It's garbage on a piece of paper. <laughs> you know, it's really funny because there's so much talk in Tallahassee about lawyers, and it's all the lawyers' problems and lawyers, lawyers, lawyers. Please. Well, then I la- I look at these, some of these bills and I laugh because I'm like, you've just made you've just made more work for me. Yeah, you, <laughs> like you, your your goal was for X, and that wasn't what right. transpired. That's not the result that you're going to receive and you've just created more work for attorneys giving them opportunities to challenge bad laws you know so it's I I think when there's a focus on the soundbite and the culture war and and being able to say look at what we accomplished Mm -hmm. and and not so much a focus on making sure that the time that we're up there is used to the benefit of Floridians and to and to taxpayers who pay for us to be up there um, and it's just that soundbite, you know, it's it's why we see the challenges and it's why the challenges, you know, it's it's going to get more difficult. We know, you know, when I was reading How Democracies Die, we know once we lose the judiciary, yes, it's the judges. Yeah. 
yeah, we're it's, in, it's a we're, problem. We're in trouble. Yeah. Um. So we just have to hope that those judges with those robes still realize the law schools and the ethics and the bar that they <sighs> subscribe to and and follow the law. That's what they're there to do. Yeah. I know in Orlando, there's families that are challenging the don't say gay and then the judge that's appointed by Trump there threw it out or sent it back. And I know that they're reworking the language again to put it up again. So hopefully something will come of it. But it's also really disheartening because it's not just signing crappy bills and like voting for them or whatever. It's the language and the rhetoric that goes out that then leads to Nazis showing up yeah, at a drag and show. Violence and violence you know what I mean? People. It's like what you're doing is not effective at all. It doesn't help anybody at all. And it just leads to, you know, it's not even like good discourse. It's just awful. It's just hate. Almost it's viol- hate. And yeah, violence, yeah. you know? And why would anybody be proud to be a part of that? It's so frustrating. There were days when Democrats and Republicans could work together and have meaningful conversations yeah. and back and forth. And we are not there no. anymore. And we need to bring that back to Tallahassee. It's really, really important. It's for They're forgetting that there's people who here who are actually affected by these things, you know? Yeah, and I also think it takes our politicians, you know? Yeah. I know, you know, listen, I'm in a very blue county and, yeah. um, you know, Broward is as, as, as blue as we can get in Florida and hopefully we stay that way November 8th. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, but, but I even know, you know, it's, it's difficult to work across the aisle because the pushback when you come home is, well, what is your relationship? Oh, and please, wh- well, but, but that's, but but no, it's a thing. It's right. a thing. You can't even have a lunch or a dinner you're or right. be seen. You're well, right. how are we ever going to work? How are we ever going to get back to that place? If you come home and you're told, well, you're not a real Democrat Ugh. or, you know, it's such bullshit. Right. It's bullshit. You're there to work. Yeah. You got to get the work done. And, and, and if and it's going to help get a bill passed. Yeah. Or have someone not vote on something. Yes. Yes. Then let's do it. Yes. But it, it takes all of us to bring the temperature down. It yes. takes everybody from those You're who right. are the grassroots organizers yeah. on the ground who are super passionate about our side. You know, the reality is we've got to come to the realization that both sides are responsible for where we're at in this country. I agree Both 100%. Sides. 100%. We, we have a different approach and we have a different way of, of communicating our message, but we've all raised that temperature and it's going to take all of us to bring it down. And, and it's going to take all of us to really try to get this country back on track. Otherwise, you know, I, I fear for the state of our our country. I mean, my mom's a former local elected official. She taught civics in public schools. You know, I was raised in a voting home and a and a and a I come from I have military family, so I love this country. And for me, I didn't want my kid to look at me in 20 years and say, you could have done more to, to stop mm. it. So I think it takes people like me who are willing to say, listen, I worked with Republicans for four years on property insurance. You know, I'm going to stand by my principles, but at the end of the day, in order for consumers to be heard in Tallahassee, you know, and and get in front of the one-sided insurance lobby mm-hmm. narrative, I had to work with Republicans and right. speak with them. Well, they're the majority. What they're are you going to do? You got to do it. But some people don't want to hear that. Well, you know what? You they know? can go, what are you going to, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Listen, I personally attack one Republican all the time on this podcast. It's, we don't need to mention names. You know who I'm Oh, I know about. who you're talking about. <laughs> uh, who you've told me 
that you've worked with in Tallahassee. I have. And I was like, oh, but you're like, yeah, but he helps within this issue, right? Yeah, he and sponsored. And I don't like a, him a, for certain issues, but he helped you with issues and yeah. all right. He all right, sponsored right. a very pro-consumer um, piece of legislation against mortgage companies. Right. Um, it didn't make its way anywhere, right. um, but he was extremely supportive of that issue and making sure money went back mm-hmm. into consumers' pockets rather than into the mortgage industry. So I have a different relationship, but yeah. at the end of the day, I don't support the vote. I don't support, you know, right. we're, we we see things very differently in this world. But when it came to my particular issue and fighting for consumers, he, he really did step up. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. and, and yeah. in the, listen, here's we the may border each there's other. People, there's people who are stars in Tallahassee, right? On the Democratic Party. And then there's people you never hear about that put their head down and do the work like like Representative Hunchovsky, right? She does so much, passes so many bills. Bartleman passes so many bills. But then- they're they're doing the work. They're doing the work. And they're not there for the spotlight. But also they're passing bills. And how do the bills pass? They're working across the aisle. We need that. We do need it. We do need it. So, all right. Listen, what are you going to do? I agree. All right, let's talk about something else. So you talk about your fight to destigmatize and expand treatments for um, with mental health. So talk about your issues with mental health and how you've worked through them and- what you want to focus on Tallahassee when it comes to mental health. Sure, happily. So for those of you that don't know my story, um, obviously I'm an attorney, but 12 years ago, I was a very young baby lawyer, four years into my legal career, thought I knew everything. (laughs) Um, With $160,000 in school debt, I don't don't come from, yeah, exactly. I don't come from, um, you know, my family's very blue collar. My mom retired as a public school teacher. My dad's in construction. Um, so that, you know, I, I had this $160,000, uh, bill waiting for me and I was going through some challenging times with my family and I needed to go to therapy. You know, I, I had a friend look at me and say, you're depressed. And I was like, what me, Hillary, have you met me? Like what <laughs> me? Hello. I was smiling, you know, but, um, you know, she said, I, I really think you need to, to go talk to someone to help you get through this situation. And I also knew it was the only way I was going to get through it. And really through those that process of starting to see a therapist and work through my issues. Um, My therapist said, you know, I think there's more going on here and I think you should go get tested. Fast forward, get tested, you know, share my history of life and was diagnosed with bipolar too. This was 12 years ago. So very different time. We've gotten a little bit better, but back then Mm -hmm. there were no conversations about work-life balance. There were no conversations about mental illness and I was an attorney who obviously I am, I am licensed. I have a professional license with a bar that oversees everything that I do. Um, and I was terrified that I was going to lose my ability to practice law. Mm. You know, um, being an attorney, what a lot of people don't realize is, you know, we are required to be perfect. If we make a mistake, it is a malpractice lawsuit or it is an unhappy client and you want neither of those or Mm -hmm. it's a complaint to the Florida bar. The profession of itself culturally is work harder, work faster, work better, Mm. work longer. And if you're stressed, we'll meet you at the bar. That's, you know, that's, that's really how it's a very good old boys. Well, just go to the bar. I was handling really large federal court cases, multi-million dollar cases, traveling all over the country and was found myself to, you know, not, not in a great place. And I got the diagnosis and honestly, I, I hid, you know, I think a lot of people for a long, you know, throughout this campaign process have said, well, when did you decide you were going to run for office? And it was like, well, one, my mom, so not happening, but two, I'm bipolar and you don't go into politics if you have secrets. And it was a secret. Very few people knew about it. Um, I really put my head down. 
um, when I decided that I was going to tackle it first. I mean, I think that's the first thing people have to realize is you receive that diagnosis. I was 30 years old. Mm -hmm. I was convinced I knew who I was. And I, you know, saw this as my job is over, my career is over, and I'm going to end up in one of three places and none of them are good. Mm. And it's because there was no hope. There was nobody to look at and point to and say, right. look at all the things right. that they've done. Yeah. Look how successful they are. I can, if they can do it, I can do it, but I'm a fighter. And, <laughs> um, you know, I really wanted to get healthy. You know, that was my priority where whatever happened after that was somewhat irrelevant, but getting healthy was my number one priority put my head down in my career, made sure I developed a reputation in my industry for being really good at what I did, being ethical. That way I just, if God forbid something happened to me, I'd be able to turn to this, you know, to my colleagues and say, I need your help. I need you to be there for me. Thankfully that never happened. Um, but as a result of that, you know, I really was quiet about my um, diagnosis. Very few people knew about it. And my husband and I, about five years ago, opened up our law firm. And for the first time, I was in a position where I didn't have a boss. I'm yeah, the boss. That's a, you huge, know? that's a huge difference. It's a huge difference. Yeah. My husband knew who he married. <laughs> there wasn't any hiding it, you know? Um, and I was in a position where there were some people that knew my story and it was made very clear that it was going to be used against me. Wow. Holy cow. Yes. Wow, girl. I know. But what that did is I realized how vulnerable I was mm. to that because I didn't share my story and because nobody knew and it was the secret shame that I carried mm. with me. Um, I was vulnerable to that opportunity of somebody sharing whatever version of that story right. that they wanted to. Right. And it wasn't going to be a good one. Right, right. Um, it was going to be lies and then I would have to prove it, but it wasn't, <laughs> oh, it wasn't going to be a good story. Right. So I looked at my husband and said, that's it. I'm, I'm going to become the poster child for mental health in the legal community. So <laughs> oh my God. I love it. Yeah. But you took ownership of it. I did. Before someone else could. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, that's what, that's what forced me sadly, you know, it's what forced me to share my story, but it's really the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, I launched a nonprofit called Namaste the Stigma Way, um, where the proceeds go to the Florida Lawyers Assistance Program, which is the only organization that provides mental health and substance abuse counseling to the legal community, which is 3.6 times more likely than any other oh, profession wow. to suffer from well, mental I health and substance. I would imagine the stress and the press pressure of that job. Yeah, but but what this journey, you know, over the course of these last five years. So I started that nonprofit. I launched a campaign for the Florida bar called stigma free. They did a journey. They did a video where I shared my journey. It ended up going international. I was getting messages wow. from people in Germany wow. and South America of like, thank you because we are goosebumps. Yeah. We're Me not, too. you know, we're not allowed to be, we're not allowed. We, we fix everybody else's problems. We're not allowed to have our own. Um, and that's really sort of what being a lawyer is. You carry everybody else's burdens, everybody else's problems. You're dealing with people at the worst time in their lives. They don't want to hire you, um, but you're there to help, but you also then can't have your own problems. So, but what that did is one, it really, this journey for the last five years, you would have never met me had mm -hmm. I not shared that journey. Yeah. I would not be sitting before you today had I not shared that secret because what I really realized in that moment and, and as the positive responses started to come in because sharing it was very nerve wracking. Who's going to hire me? Are clients still going to want to work with me? What are my oh, colleagues God. and opposite, yeah. you know, opposing counsel are going to say? Um, but it really freed me. And that stigma I was carrying 
on my own, you know, of this is what people are going to think of me. And I didn't give, you know, I didn't, I wasn't vulnerable and I didn't give people that chance. But once I shared it and became vulnerable, um, it's really opened up my world and allowed me to be authentic in who I am. And, you know, I also know that I have to carry myself differently. Mm. I know that people look at me and go, okay, well, how is she right now? Oh my God. But I don't, I don't think of it, but, but, but it's that, you know, knowing of when I'm in Tallahassee, I'm going to have to carry myself differently and be a different example because I'm not going to be able to have those moments of, you know, passion and emotion because then people go cross-eyed. Well, how is she today? You know, and that's always going to be in the back of my head. Uh, But you know what? I uh, think, I feel like the first time I met you, because there's only so many candidates that I've met doing this where I go, oh God, she's real. Right? Yeah. Like it's refreshing. Oh, it's, it really is. Yes. When I say it's a breath of fresh air, like they're, they're always, the candidates are always like, they have a some prepared of, Some thing. of them. Yeah. She, Hillary was just like. Off the cuff. Not, right? not like off the cuff, but very real, off the real, cuff. real, yeah. real. And uh, it's so exciting. I know it's weird to hear that. Very. It's weird to hear that story, but it's also weird to me that you're a candidate telling me that. Right? No, like I, that's, I, a, I, that's a different thing, but that's how candidates should be. Yeah. You're supposed to be representing Real people. Yeah. You know, not like cookie cutter, you know, politicians. Perfect, yeah, with You're, the perfect family and the yes. perfect life and the perfect community. Oh, you have a thing stuff. about you yeah. that's different than everybody else. So do I. Like, those are things that we should be sharing. We should be, it makes people want to vote for you, but it also makes you feel like a real person who's going to care about right. things that are in my life too. That's what we should look for in candidates. And it's I, incredible, and Hillary. I, I think the other thing is, um, you know, bringing forward the mental health issue and the stigma, you know, in our movies, in our media, like mm-hmm. there's still all of this really kind of negative, scary, right? It's always someone painted in a very dangerous and right. scary way. And so to put, um, you know, a face um, to this of just our everyday person really is important too, because we have kids in our schools and we yes. have people in our communities and it's important for those kids to know like, Hey, there's someone that's like me and it's okay. And look at the success. And it's not, they're known in the news for something negative. They're yeah. known in the news for something like really amazing, like yeah. running in for the seat and winning the seat yeah. and being a leader in our state. Yeah. When you said that you had no one to look to, this is incredible yeah, that like, now, like, you're, you're the, the person. person. <laughs> I know, but it's like, incredible. Now I have goosebumps. No, that's a lot. You are. Like, that's an incredible thing. Yeah. You know, and Tina, you kind of hit the nail right on the head. All, we only talk about it in negative situations. It is crisis. We are blamed for the world's worst atrocities. Mm-hmm. When, when in reality, statistically speaking, people with mental illness are more likely to be victims of violent mm. crime than perpetrators. But it's also becoming the narrative as the excuse for everything. I was watching Meet the Press this morning and and a Republican, you know, strategist was talking about, you know, obviously the sad situation that happened with Speaker Pelosi's husband mm-hmm. and immediately went to, to mental health. No, no, no. This isn't a mental health situation. Yeah. This is a guy who has been listening over and over and that's, over and over again to your rhetoric, yep. to the to the to the violence, to the insurrection that happened on January sixth, to the denial of it, to the fact that not enough people have been accountable for that day, and he took it upon himself to commit the acts of violence that your party has been proposing on Speaker Pelosi for years. Yep. This isn't a mental health situation right. crisis, right. but now that's going to be the label 
for right, it. Right. Rather than realizing we have a radicalized individual who took your rhetoric yep. and applied it. Yep. End of story. End of yeah, story. And they take no ownership. They take no ownership for what they are doing. But they always, so I was saying to Tina that when there's a mass shooting, it's like, it's not the guns, it's mental health. This this is a mentally ill person. Then it's Pelosi's husband attacked. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, it's it's not mental health. It's just, But it's if he's mentally ill, it's because he's listening to the bullshit that you're <laughs> spewing all the time. It's wildness. It's wild. It's wild. And what's scary is as long as we continue to make mental health the worst part of society, people aren't going to get help. Right. And people aren't going to get aren't going to seek that help. Mm -hmm. And I know that that puts a lot of people that stigma is what prevents people, because also if you have no hope that you can become something good or you can do mm. something good with it or you can have a great right. life and be successful and be a contributing member to your community, why go get help and get the label? You'd rather just be able to say, well, I didn't know, I had no clue, I'd never been diagnosed and you avoid the treatment and you avoid the help rather than seeing somebody like me who says, listen, I actually see it as a beautiful part of who I am. Mm. You know, at first, yeah, it was hard. It was hard to wrap my head around this diagnosis and this label, but I've also learned to realize, and I say, it's my rose and it's my thorn. Mm. It's my thorn if I don't take care of myself. And I also think we've got to talk about it differently. Mental health really means emotional intelligence. Mm. I think where my... why I've been able to maintain my health and stability is because I'm just very emotionally intelligent now to what I need Mm. and how to keep myself healthy. Whether that's today's a day off or today I need to take a break or today I've got to make sure I get to yoga. I've got to exercise. I need to drink more water. I've got to get more sleep. Like it's not necessarily out of out of the ordinary, the things that I do to stay healthy. It's just recognizing when I'm feeling a little off or down and not continuing to allow it to spiral and happen where I get to a place where I can't get out of it. But that's just knowing who I am, going through that process of therapy, learning what my triggers are, but recognizing also, I don't see myself as this bad person and this is a bad thing. Right. I have a thorn that I've got to take care of, but also it's my rose. It has allowed me to empathize with others. I have been in really low places in my own life. I have really struggled and I'm lucky to be alive. And Mm. I know that. And so as a result, I can connect with people on a different level. I can connect with my clients. I can connect with my constituents. I may not have the same story, but I know life's hard and I know we've all got a battle to fight and it's individual, but how can I help you make your life better? And I think that's the role of a politician, of an elected official, which is how do I just make your life better? I don't have to understand your life. I don't have to agree with your lifestyle. I don't have to agree with your choices. I don't have to agree with who your God is or like none of that. How do I make your life a little bit easier? And I think that's my job. How incredible I is she? I just, it's, no, it's, can't everybody be like this? I know. Please. I don't understand. <laughs> you know, on our regular episodes, we talk about the worst people, yeah. like the worst yeah. people. They go into office and they seem like maybe they have good intentions, but they get there and sometimes just, they don't. Shit. And then, yeah, sometimes <laughs> they go to take advantage. But the world is so hard. It's Life right. is so hard, it's Hillary. So hard. It's so hard. And, yeah, I want to go. I just want to be able to Make go to work, better. take care of my kids, pay my bills, not have my insurance go through the roof. Like, yeah. I just want to survive it. And yeah, you're absolutely right. That's all we need. That's all we just need. Just please go to Tallahassee and like <laughs> do what's best for your constituents. That's all that we're asking you to do. We're not asking you to go up there and be a star of like, 
you know, whatever right. religion you belong to, like whatever you're trying to fight for, your, whatever. No, just go and do what's right for the people. Right. Think about the people who are here who need you to do what's right for them. Why, why is that so hard for people to do? I don't, I don't because know. Because people want to be on so their soapbox. You know, they want to be on their soapbox. Or and they're not going for the right reasons. They're going they're for not going, power yeah. or whatever. Right. Prestige. It's interesting. My husband says all the time, you know, people go into politics for, you know, various reasons and the various reasons, you know, on some level we've accomplished, you know, we've got a successful law firm. We're experts in our field. You know, we've worked really hard to, to provide, you know, a really great life at just like everybody does. Mm -hmm. Um, and so my husband looks at me and he's like, all right, just go be Maverick. You know, he calls me Yosemite Sam. We actually met. I, I was his boss. I was brought into oh a God. to a firm to to manage um, a bunch of attorneys, and he was a baby lawyer, and I was his first boss. And he says, like day one, you came in guns blazing, Yosemite Sam, and you know, like we're changing everything. And that's just who I am. And if that means I'm a two year state rep, and I go in and I do what's right, regardless of what side it comes from or who's where, like. What is right? What's good for the people? How can I fight for my constituents, but Florida as a whole? And if that means in two years I get a challenger because I wasn't blue enough or I wasn't this, uh. like, I'm okay. I go back to a great life. I go back to my six-year-old who I'm walking, you know, mm. I'm, I'm going to be missing four months out Girl, of the year. Is, I'm worried about this. I don't like this. But, I mean, it makes me sad. And yeah, listen, but I hope he looks at me in 20 years and says, I'm proud of you, mom. Of course yes. he will. You know? Please. And, yes. and I know I'm going to. He's gonna proud right now. Well, whatever, oh whatever I don't know. Do. He sees no. the signs around town and he's like, mom, this is so weird. I'm like, I know, but I, saw, I know. I roller skating and I saw Hillary sign at roller skating. I had to go take a picture. I'm like, look at this girl. I have my roller skating ring. He's just I like, mom, it. it's so weird. I'm like, I know, it bud. It's a little it. weird. It it's a little weird. I think my kids would be yeah. weirded out by it. It's a I little think weird. It's incredible though. Thank you. It is so, you uh, are such an impressive human being. Yeah. I know. You should see her face. She's like, please me. No, you're incredible. And I am just so lucky to know you like how lucky oh, I feel the same that you've been brought into our lives I like we, same thing like if we hadn't been involved first of all a stupid podcast wouldn't be here but also we wouldn't know incredible right. people like you right like we are so lucky that you are going to be going to Tallahassee and and, and fighting and for fighting us. for us we Ugh. are I am so grateful that we get to do this where we get to talk to good people <gasps> So I want to ask one, yes, our, yes, our last yes. question, um, outside of winning your seat, what is your biggest hope for November? You know, I hope we bring back some leaders in this state that are going to bring that temperature down, that are going to fight for the things that are affecting everyday Floridians. You know, we've sadly, you know, We've been under Republican control for a really long time. And when we look really at the numbers mm. of where our state lies on so many levels, we are failing. Yes. We are failing when it comes to mm. insurance. We are failing when it comes to affordability and, and our and our um, access to affordable housing. We are failing our teachers. We are, you know what I mean? Like we are just failing as a state. We are 48th in, in, in education. We are Florida. We have the biggest budget in Florida's history. We shouldn't be 48th in anything. Yeah. If we were that great, we wouldn't be 48th in anything. Yep. But 
our focus has just been on the things that divide us. Mm. And I love this state. I am a second Girl, yes. generation. I'm a second generation <laughs> yes. native Floridian. My grandparents had the largest tomato farm in all the South located in Delray Beach. Mm. I am proud to be a Floridian, even with Florida and the Florida man. <laughs> Me too. Me I take too. it, I take it all in. Mm. I mean, there is nowhere else in the world where you can get what we have here in Florida. And we used to be a place where, you know, we just loved this state and we all came together to protect our environment, to protect our farming because it's a huge, you know what I mean? Like, and we just got to get back there and I hope we can bring back some leadership that's really going to focus the issues on what's important to everyday Floridians. And it's not permitless carry. No. And it's not, you know, and when we think of what's facing us in November, if we don't get out and vote Democrats and Republicans who are unhappy with where this state is going. um, But we've also got to, you know, hope that if that doesn't happen, where are the lead, where are the leaders that can stand up and, and maybe bring the message back to the focus and get some attention on it? You know, how do we, how do we do that as well and not have our messaging so turned around against us? It is. And and it's a, it's a strategy though. It's Mm -hmm. a strategy to divide us. It's a strategy that DeSantis has used the last four years and has continued to use in this campaign to keep us divided. And I tweeted something yesterday because I had been dragging Florida and where Florida is awful. Florida Dems are awful, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) And I had to retweet. I had to tweet something. And I said, I love Florida. This is my home. It's my heart. I'm raising my children here. I want them to be proud of this state. And we have so, but we need more help. Like we need, I said, we need to send more. We need better leaders. Yeah. We deserve better. Yeah. We on do. both sides. Absolutely. On both sides. I said Absolutely. that. On both sides of the aisle, we deserve better. And that's what's so frustrating. Like even with the, the debate with the governor, like I can't even watch the governor debate. We deserve better candidates who actually say they love Florida because yeah. it's, it's exactly what you said. Like, when the, when the, when the party writes us off, the federal, you know, the national party writes us off as a, as a red state, it's, it's incredibly frustrating because there's so many good people here right. who want a good life for their families, for their parents, for their children. We deserve that. We deserve it. We do. But I think we've got to turn the messaging around too. Yeah. You know, we can't always be in this place of woe is me, you know, victim dem yeah. mentality, yeah. loser mentality. Yeah, well, we right. lose so we don't get out. Well, that's not helpful either. No. You know, we've got to figure out ways of getting the people, regardless of the label that you carry, yeah. excited about a candidate. Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, I carry the label of Democrat and I carry it proudly. I used to have another label, yeah. you know? Right. Um, I come from a conservative family, you know, but I looked at my life and the differences that I felt that the parties had. And for me, I always just feel like at the end of the day, Democrats just care about others Mm -hmm. and want others to succeed. And I know I needed that when I was in my place of despair. I needed others to rally Mm. behind me and step up and give me that help that I needed. You know, we're not always on top of our game. And whether that be we need help, we need to help our black and brown communities, whether we need to change that narrative, we need to have real conversations about our history, we need to allow people to love who they want to love like again how do we just not make things harder for people and say how can we make your life easier what resources do you need what is what are we not providing for you and how can we help you and that's what an elected official is supposed to do and 
but we've got to stop the negative rhetoric as well because when we do it, they do it. Mm. And then it just is both sides yelling at each other, finger pointing, you know, you wouldn't let it happen in a kindergarten class, you you know, you'd stop it. So how do we, how do we stop it at the, you know, capital level? Well, I'm anxious to see how you're going to attempt to do that. Yes. Come uh, January, you go up January or December? So, well, we'll go up in November to be sworn in, knock okay. on wood, yes. assuming I'm the winner. Um, you will be the winner. Uh, yes. Once I get out of here, I'll go back to those early voting polls. So come <laughs> come visit me. Yeah. Um, but we'll, you know, there there are talks that we will be in Tallahassee in December for a special session. Okay. Oh. Um, the issues that we're hearing that will be on the table are not. Uh, I mean, I would not, I would ask if it's insurance, but I'm sure that no, it's that's going to be it's, permitless carry, or it'll be Reedy Creek, or some non some some nonsense. You know, listen. All we know is having been through this process and been engaged in special sessions. You really don't know yeah. until the until the executive order oh. is is put out there. But you know, I'm already getting ready for it. You know, right. in, in anticipation that it's going to be insurance related, I'm I'm already working on some stuff. Um, but we also to get got to get ready for the culture wars to come back. Yeah. And, yeah. And face reality. Well, you know what? If we don't get out and vote. Yeah, everybody yes, go out and vote. vote. It's coming out on Friday, so you still have time to yes. go vote, obviously, before Tuesday. I think Sunday's the last day of early voting. Yep. And then if it's not, go find. Make sure you go to Broward SOE and find where your voting place is, because that's the only place where you can vote, your polling place, on Tuesday, not yes, any on, other place. And please be aware, a lot of polling stations have changed. Like mine changed, yes. and I just got notice of it recently. So you need to really be aware, because if you're rolling in it, 645 on election night yeah you could be in trouble and we need you to make we need to make sure you get out there and vote so thank you so much for being here this is like one of the best little mucks we've ever had it's it's incredible yeah and it's almost an hour which is can you believe it but it's so good good. girl no (laughs) you're here for it everything amazing to say and everyone needs to hear what you're saying yeah i'm excited to see and and then after you go through your first session please come back yes so we can hear how it went uh, what you exp- what what you thought was great, what you thought wasn't great, things that you didn't expect happen that you know, and I'd love to hear about like your experience there. Yeah. I'd be honored. Oh my god! Yay! Oh my god. Just so, gives me another reason to hang out with you. Too. I know. Also, <laughs> I love going to meetings now when Hillary's there and somebody says Hillary, and I'm like, what? Like, every time someone says Hillary, I'm like, what? What? And the same thing is to me. They call me, and you're like, what? It's the greatest thing ever. It's the greatest thing. The best name. Hillary squared. It is. It's the best. I'm honored to share it with you. And and the other Hillary, which Girl. was the only trolling OG. that I got yeah. on my like Facebook. <laughs> Me too. Everything was like, not with that name. Uh, <laughs> get out of here, people. Oh my God. The nerve. The nerve. <laughs> well, right, thank well, you listen, again. Yeah. Thank have you. a great weekend and good luck to you on the Tuesday. And I know you're going to be great. Everything's going to be go amazing. Go I'm going to try my, listen, I'm going to try my best. That's all I can promise. Well, that's what we need to hear. I will do the work. Yeah. No doubt about it. it I will like be a worker. Plans, you know? Yeah, we'll be we'll be watching. I know <laughs> we'll you will be. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And text me in the middle of the night if you're upset about something. I'm here for you. Got it. <laughs> All right, I love you. Love you. All right, ya. All right. Bye. bye. If you want to learn more about this week's guests, please go to our website www.themuckpodcast.com and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Muck Podcast and on our Twitter at Muck Podcast. To support the Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support with exclusive content. Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do this without you.